ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. Another episode of 1% Better. Thanks for joining us. We are getting closer to the NFL season. We are actually covering, eh, covering football. I don't know. Is that what we're doing, Zach? Kind of. <laughs> something like that. We're getting closer yeah. to actually seeing football, which I'm excited about. Yeah. So we're making progress and the ball is moving along and, and that's what we always hoped for. So uh, the world's a difficult place right now, but uh, the Colts, or excuse me, the NFL and the Colts as part of that, they're doing what they can to, to make this work. And uh, we'll start there, you know, talking about some of the procedures and, and how this is working in terms of dealing with COVID-19 uh, and getting the NFL season kicked off. But we'll also uh, get into some Colts players that opted out and we'll talk about that decision, the difficulty there. Uh, we heard from quite a few players this week as well, and we'll recap some of that, uh, including Philip Rivers and Darius Leonard, who is a very angry man. And we'll cover that. Always. And exactly. And I want to touch on T.Y. Hilton before we get out of here, too, uh, toward the end. So let's go back to the top. The We've gotten last week, I think when we did the podcast, we had heard from Chris Ballard and Frank Reich. But, you know, it was sort of abstract at that point that we're talking about how this was going to work. And it made a lot of sense in terms of the procedures and, and what's laid out. But now we're starting to see it function and we're seeing it actually put in place. And I'm wondering if you have any takeaways. I mean, be it the, you know, we saw the the contact tracing, for example, this week. Uh, we saw uh, how they're spacing out the building and, and the things that they're doing in terms of working out in shifts in the weight room, things of that nature. I don't know. I, I have no idea. None of us are are immune uh, disease experts, but but we have familiarized ourselves a lot with COVID-19 since this thing started and, and we know what it's going to take, you know, to, to get on top of it. What do you think? Do you feel confident or less, do you feel more confident or less confident after what you've seen this week? I'm hesitant to say this, but I feel more confident. And here's why. I feel like my takeaway from, from what I've seen, what I've heard and from what the players have and the coaches have told us, short of a bubble, this is as good as it's going to be in terms of fighting off this infection and the virus and, and the virus seeping into the building, right? That's the, that's the biggest scare is it getting into the building and spreading. I feel like they're going to every single length to, to avoid that. And I feel like everyone's taking it very seriously. Eight months of COVID life will do that. And if this doesn't work in the NFL, short of a bubble, I'm not sure what you do. I, I really feel like they're putting everything they have into this. Every single training facility, including the Colts, has been transformed into a anti-COVID building, essentially, where they're going to both do two things, right? They're going to you know, get their teams ready for the season and then also do everything they can to prevent infection and spread of COVID-19. So I'm impressed with the NFL. You know, it's, it's nice when you have a bottomless checkbook, right? And you can spend all the money you need to to get your facilities ready, which they have. But I feel like they're going to do a pretty good job. And you see the NBA and you see another week of zero test positive and, and the bubble is working. I think it's pretty, you know, objectively you can say that. Um, will the NFL makeshift bubble work? I don't know. It's going to be much more difficult with so many more people and the players not being quarantined essentially inside one space the entire season. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting the next couple of weeks because you are obviously going to get some positive tests this week. I think there were 56 out of, let's say 2,200 players. So about 2%. Um, 
I think the next couple of weeks is really where you're going to start to see are the NFL facilities working because players were going to come in from different points all over the country and, and they were just going to test positive. Some of them were. That's just the nature of this. But um, I think we'll start to see, you know, the byproduct of the facilities throughout the month of August. And if it stays low, then it tells us it's working. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the, a big point to make is what you kind of alluded to there, which is they were expecting positive cases coming in, as you would, right? Like if, yeah. when schools, like when schools start this week and in the coming weeks, you're going to have kids who are carrying the virus that are coming in, and they'll have to. And if there are symptoms, they'll have to weed them out. They're not being tested every day, though, like NFL players. So the the idea here is catch it before that player has a chance to spread it. Now, I think in the coming weeks. As you said, if that number drops significantly, then that's that's a sign it's working. The other observation that I would make is that I think you threw out a number around two percent. I haven't done the math, but that makes about that makes sense. I actually don't think that's terrible. I was. I think you probably have to live with that, right? Yeah, I actually was prepared for it to be worse. Five percent, because maybe. yeah, yeah, but but you just you had no idea. I guess I had no expectation. I, I was prepared for any or a range of outcomes, and as it turned out. I don't think that's a bad number. I don't have anything to base that on except just, you know, my own expectations right. and and just what we know of of living with this thing for the past 5 or 6 months, but it doesn't seem like that was that bad when you had no control mechanisms in place for those guys before that. So Right. They were just out there in the world Besides doing their hope, thing essentially. Yeah. <laughs> they were out in the world living their lives and you as you said, th- these teams were hoping they were going to come back and not be uh, you know, sort of burdened by this virus, you know, in a, in a major way. And it turned out they weren't. So, and I think we also had a lot of guys who were placed on the COVID list this week clearly were not, were either either false positives or guys who were just exposed to it and just had to keep, you know, continue to test negative. Now, there's a difference. There, not everybody on the list has tested positive. Some of them have just had exposure and there's contact tracing going on there. That's very smart. I think they have to be treated the same, and they should be. But but I think you're starting to see guys come off the list. So they're weeding guys out, and that's good. So everything is trending the right way. Whether you can do that for 17 weeks, we will see. <laughs> but right. uh, we'll see. I, I think that, as you said, I think I really do feel more confident this week. I'm so cautiously... Optimist. I'm so cautious when I make these these assertions. Right. Let's like, not get cocky. Yeah, like I'm not suggesting. Like, I think everybody's on the same panacea. page with that. Right. right, right. But but given what the circumstances are, and the circumstances ain't great. Okay. But given what they're dealing with, this is probably as good a start as I could have expected. So so let's see um, if they can avoid the college football scenario where we're seeing outbreaks with. 10, 15, 20 players. If they can avoid that, that's going to be the key. Three or four players, you have to live with that. An outbreak like that, that's different. And, and I think the difference, with, as you said, with the NFL in college or the NFL in the rest of the world, frankly, is money. Uh, yeah. They have the ability to test, 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 and have on-site facilities. Um, guys are going to be, at some point in the coast facility, doing potentially even drive-through testing as they come in the gate. To the facility, so I mean they've got it laid out, and they're doing everything they can. I, I really think there's reason for optimism, but every bit of optimism we show with this thing, uh, be it sports related or otherwise, should always be cautious optimism. So, so that's good. 
I think the I think the psyche of NFL players is going to be an advantage as well because these guys are playing for jobs. These guys are playing for money. This is their money. They want that. Part of the NFL NFLPA agreement was a certain list of guidelines the NFL players have to follow, and they're very strict. No bars, no nightclubs, et cetera, no big gatherings, right? College players, you know, you know, college kids, right? You're going to be, if you have a big win, you want to go celebrate. Um, I think the NFL players, tr- the NFL trusting their players to, to not fall into those traps, that's, I think everything is, everything's on that. I think everything leans on that this year. And it's going to be interesting because it's not going to be perfect, but um, these guys are playing for a lot. Don't don't forget that. And so this is their job, and it's um, for a lot of them, it's on the line. So I think that's going to be a big role. And you're going to see guys with opportunities that they wouldn't probably normally get because someone tests positive, and that's going to change the way teams prepare and teams field, you know, their 53 man rosters on Sundays. So this is this is a good start, but it's going to be really really interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, we'll see. And I think there's some account- accountability measures being put in place as well. Um, I have mixed feelings about that because, you know, you don't want this to be sort of a dictatorship. But at the same time, I, I do think that maybe the threat of some accountability, if you do things that are considered risky, uh, that are considered risky behavior, that's going to give everybody uh, a reason to think twice. And so I, I do think... There, I don't think this will be a baseball situation, right? There's been, I guess, rumblings. I don't know all the particulars, but I know I've, I've read uh, indications that the Florida, the excuse me, Miami Marlins, for example, uh, that that may have spread with guys hanging out on the road trips, um, or potentially, right? That that was that's certainly risky behavior. I don't know if that's where it came from, but but that's certainly risky behavior, hanging out, you know, at bars right i mean like right. that's literally the one place they tell you don't go don't okay. do that right now right right so i i gotta believe if if they can exclude that kind of behavior that's going to make the, that's going to give them an even better shot at this so we'll see um le- changing gears just a little bit but a similar subject we had three guys on the colts opt out this week uh there were i think league-wide 66 players who opted out eight patriots okay. i believe uh, so I don't know. I didn't have any expectation on what that number would be, but I, I, I will say, first of all, we're talking about Sky Moore, linebacker Sky Moore, uh, safety corner, safety slash corner, Roland Milligan and cornerback Marvell Tell. So no real starters in that group, but, but certainly depth is affected by this. Uh, I, I talked to a couple of their agents this week, just briefly didn't get into particulars, but, um, I did get the sense these were really hard decisions. And so I, I think that we can safely assume that you know there were reasons for these these decisions prompted by very legitimate factors in their lives, um, and you can you know you know what those potentially might be. So um, we did talk to Frank Reich about this, and he he didn't want to go into details, Zach, about why they did this, but uh, I, I did try to get from him just a, a sense of how hard this was for these players. Um, did you have any takeaways from that? You remember what he said? I mean, I, I had to believe that you worked your whole life for this, right? And, and and then you got to take a season off. Right. That's crazy. And, and you don't make it to this level unless you love the game. And this is, this is a hard decision. Believe me from, from these guys. I mean, you know how much these guys love football. We're around them a lot in the locker room. And you know, what jumped out to me that Frank Craig said was, all right, if, if they're going to make this decision, 
I'd love to talk to them about it before they make the final call, right? I'd love to get five minutes with them. And I think that's Frank, one, believing in his persuasion abilities. And two, he, he loves to have that one-on-one relationship with his players. He does, whether it's to talk football or to talk something else. And everyone who makes this decision, the decision should be respected. I think these guys absolutely deserve um, almost a level of admiration for, for not for doing what they feel is best for them and their family. And we don't know the extenuating circumstances. Um, but from a football perspective, I, I think Tell is kind of a bigger loss than maybe it seems on paper. Um, no, he wasn't a starter, but he could have been. And, you know, he's only played really one full year at cornerback. And he played a lot in December for this team. Remember, he played safety at USC, and then they brought him in. He's got all those traits Chris Ballard loves for a cornerback. He's really long. Um, he's physical and, you know, he's not Rocky scene. He's not Xavier Rhodes. He's not Kenny Moore, but, but he could be a guy that could climb into that mix this year. I think they're going to have to go sign a DB with Milligan and, and tell both being out, but, um, you know, tough decision. And, and you could tell, you could tell when Frank was explaining to us who was opting out and, and how personal it was for them to make that decision. It's tough. It's tough on the team to lose guys that are with you. And, and you respect the decision. But, um, you know, luckily for the Colts, these aren't banner players. It's not Darius Leonard or Quentin Nelson or Phillip Rivers. Um, but the tell one might be something that, that you start to feel if a couple goes, guys goes down in September or October and you're like, dang, we really wish we had that cornerback who played a lot for us last year. Yeah, I think tell is basically exactly what you said. I think he was he's one of those guys who's like a heartbeat away from, from playing a major role. And, and at corner... This team always seems to get decimated at corner. I yeah, don't know what it is. It's a, it's a tradition every year. Right. It doesn't matter who it is. The, the faces change, but they're always decimated, it seems like, at corner. And so, you know, last year, Kenny Moore down the stretch, right? That was a brutal blow to them. And I oh, think, it you was, know, yeah. You saw that play out in New Orleans, in Jacksonville, right? The the loss of a guy like that. Uh, so this is – and Milligan, by the way, Milligan uh, was a guy who was – who was the backup nickel last year and had an injury down the stretch. And that, that with Kenny Moore being hurt, that was a problem, right? So why do you think they signed TJ Carey? That's right. So that was a direct reaction to, to being in a tough situation at nickelback last year. So, so they've, they've protected themselves a little bit, so that's good, but, but certainly that your depth is affected here. No question about it. Um, and, and Marvell tell, I think, as you said, so inexperienced at corner that I don't know what the future held for him or it's still, I mean, it's not the end of his career, but I don't right. know what the future was for him this year. If that development continued, maybe he plays his way into, uh, um, into more playing time. Right. I mean, that's, that was totally possible. That was totally a possibility this year. So, so anyway, we'll see, uh, this isn't the last of Marvell tell obviously, or Roland Milligan, I imagine, but, um, but we'll have to see how the Colts react. Now, as a, relates to the bigger point of the decision. I thought Tony Dungy had a great quote yesterday that I, I retweeted because I think it was so important, but so obvious. And someone made a comment or a reply to him about players opting out, a conversation about players opting out. And he was very clear. He said, look, they are not getting paid. They're not getting free money. He said, this is money they have to pay back next year. So if yeah. you don't know. You, it comes you out of the salary next year. Yeah, if you, if you you're basically taking a big hit here. So if you don't have a risk factor that is defined in the agreement that came 
that that was brought about between the union and league risk factors being you know whatever the medical risk factors are or you you were a family member if you don't have one of those you only get one hundred fifty thousand dollars i know i say only a lot of us would take that but right at the end of the day i mean if you make the team you're going to triple that amount of money minimum right so right. so so you're taking a big hit there if you do have a risk factor you are a family member you get three hundred fifty thousand dollars for the year but even that is not even the minimum salary in the nfl so you're, you're making a sacrifice, no question about it. And by the way, the NFL is not for long, right? We know we've all heard that things that change acronym. fast. Yeah, like you know, you spend a year out of the NFL, people forget about you real quick, man. You get hurt so, in camp, but don't play the whole year. I mean, yeah, you, people you know, forget you about got, you real fast. You got a whole class of rookies coming in next year. You got to contend with. You, you got to right. You got to find your regain your your place on the team. Where by that time, other players will have established themselves, maybe taking your job. So look, man, this is, you know, I, I think a lot of people are thinking, I don't think this is a majority, but I think there are people thinking, eh, you know, they don't want to compete. It's it's an easy way out. Let me tell you, it is not that. It's the opposite. This is this is actually gut-wrenching for these guys, in my opinion. But that's just the way I see it. So, um, hey, moving along to football matters, Zach, we, we had... You know, we had a couple of good conversations this week with players. Are they yeah, Philip Rivers. And that's where I'm going to start. Yeah, so I thought, well, first of all, let's just say the fans are going to get to know him a little bit here uh, as we continue moving forward. We're starting to get our first real, you know, sort of in-depth react, uh, in-depth interactions with him and, yeah. and such as we can through Zoom. But <laughs> I will tell you, I like this guy. And everybody He's told me He's just I all would. out there. He's just... everybody. Everybody told me you're going to love him. You're going to love him. Everybody from California who I talked to in the, in the media, et cetera, in, right. in football, you're going to love this guy. And I'm like, all right, okay, we'll see. No, I like this guy a lot, man. Just what kind of presence do you think he'll be, man? I think this guy's going to rally around him. I think you're starting to see why so many teammates and coaches love this guy. And and this guy just has this authenticity that just hmm. just exudes, just comes out of him. And it's real. I mean, it's not... Um, it's not something you can fake. He seems like a very simple guy, right? He loves his family. Yeah. He's got a bunch of kids, and he loves football. And he sounds like he loves football. He was beaming, talking about Quentin Nelson hoping for no false starts on day two of training camp. I mean, they're in, like, OTAs basically right now. They're doing conditioning. <laughs> this is not fun stuff. They're not even playing football. And Philip Rivers is jacked. He's got a ton of energy. He rambles like crazy. And he's honest. And he just seems like a really fun guy to be around. I mean, Anthony Costanzo said he's like a big kid out there. He said he reminded him a little bit like Andrew Luck in that sense where he's just football is really fun and he never forgets how much fun it is for kids to play. And that's kind of, I mean, you see that, right? You've seen the highlight Mm -hmm. tapes where Phillip Rivers is talking trash to the opponents and literally just acting like a high schooler out there. Um, I think guys gravitate towards that. I mean, he's already playing you know, competition games, try to hit the goalpost with Jacoby Brissett. Those guys are getting along really well, which is a credit to both of them because that could have been a really awkward yeah. situation. And, yeah, I think it's just a shame that we're in this COVID mess right now because in a normal situation where Philip Rivers could get out in the community a little bit and people could see him and meet him, mm. you're going to love this guy. He is just all football, and he's a lot of fun, and he's got a great outgoing personality. And I think a lot of that, was maybe obscured by the fact that he played in San Diego for so long and then L.A. in a, in a soccer park. So I think, 
you know, had he played in a bigger market, he might be a much bigger NFL star because he's just really, really likable. I think you're right. I mean, this guy had, that's a great point, actually. If this guy had spent his career in Chicago or D.C., uh, you know, any number of places or just more prominent teams. Look, the Chargers are just not a team at the forefront of no. NFL. And they were good. Season. I mean, they were. They're, they were good. Had, yeah, most more successful. About, yeah. It's more about their, their fo- the size of their following and, the, you know, the fact that they're they're on the West Coast. They're kind of an afterthought. You know, I, I think you're absolutely right, though. I mean, if this guy had played for one of the marquee franchises, it'd be, I mean, think about how much time we invested talking about Tony Romo over the years, right? <laughs> Tony yeah, freaking Romo? Every day. Right? Yeah. I mean, love him or hate him, whatever. Like, I've spent too much, we've spent too much of our lives talking about Tony Romo. Right? You never hear <laughs> Phil Rivers get debated on first take. You know, maybe right. that's a good thing, to, you, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and and so, anyhow, I, I don't think, none, none of that means anything, but you're absolutely right. I do think that um, the fact that, that he isn't, a bigger topic of conversation really, I think, has a lot to do with where he played. And But you, you mentioned San Diego. If you look at the legacy he left there, it is secure. Okay. He is – he runs – he ran that town. I mean, he was – like his popularity um, – what do they call that? Approval rating yeah. <laughs> in San Diego is off the charts. People love that guy. You know, There are, and, there are whispers of Chargers fans becoming Colts fans because oh, of this guy. I think it's whispers. I think it's real. I yeah. think that's a real I mean, thing. They, that speaks to what you just said. They love this guy. 14 years, 16 years there, 14 as a starter, never missed a game. And it goes back to it, it goes to the toughness for sure, being able to count on him. And I also think it's what you said earlier. Authenticity matters too. I, I do think that, you know, fans want to love their quarterback. That's just how sports fans are, football fans are. You know, you, right. you want to love for the sure. quarterback, not just as a player, but as a guy. Um, you know, because he is the guy who who represents your team, for lack of a better word, right? That is basically what the quarterback does, you know, both on the field and to an extent off the field. And so people want to love their quarterback, and he's a guy, that, frankly, he's easy to love. You know, it's just yeah. the truth. And, and I think that matters in the locker room for a team like this where you don't have – this is not a team full of mercenaries because you have some teams that can become that way. And right. Philip Rivers is a little bit of a mercenary here, right? Yeah, let's be honest, bit. right? Twenty-five million dollar you know, mercenary. It's a check, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like that, and he's not going to approach it that way. We know he's not going to approach it that way because that's not who he is. Uh, so, and he's also here because of his relationships with with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. So, so this Don't isn't you your. Feel, this yeah. isn't you know, it's not a typical like this isn't Randy Moss like all right who's up next or, or Terrell Owens I guess is a better example who I love but like let's be honest. Terrell Owens was like, all right, you know, who's going to pay me? <laughs> so right. I'll go to the highest bidder and I'm going to play and I'm going to go crush the opponent. That's not what this is. I feel like if all those situations, right, a lot of these NFL quarterbacks late in their career go play somewhere else. Brady's doing it. Right. Manny did it. You know, Kurt Warner did it. A lot of these guys do it. I feel like this one will be as seamless as any of them for a variety of reasons. And a big one is what you just hit on, Rivers' personality. It's not just his relationship with Reich and Sirianni. It's that these guys are going to like him right away. And new guy, like you said, mercenary money, coming to a new city that he's ne- he's never played in a different city. He's going to make it work. It's going to be easier than, than it sounds because of his personality and because he's just all about ball. You talk to all of his teammates with the Chargers, even his, his offensive linemen say, look, the guy just 
at the end of the day, just loves football. And, you know, you got a sense of that this week when we asked Philip Rivers, did you ever consider opting out? And it's a fair question for every player. And he said, look, if I would have seriously considered that, that would have meant the end for me. That would have meant retirement. He knows where he's at. He's 38 years old. If he sits out this year, he's not getting, he's probably not getting another chance next year. And he said, no, like, I'm not ready to do that. And it just, it just comes through in, in the, through the computer and these Zoom meetings we have with him. It's just, it's a shame we won't be able to do it in person and at the facility this year. But um, this guy has some personality and he's fun. And you just get that he just loves ball. And, and guys like that. Guys like quarterbacks who don't chase celebrity. They always respected that about Andrew Luck. He did not care about the nonsense. Rivers, in that vein, is very, very similar. Yeah, that is that's very very true. Like, I, I think there are some guys who, who are. I have no problem with guys who are worried about their brand, right? That, that is, you you should think in business terms, right? You know who's you know who's very much concerned about his brand, Russell Wilson. Okay, and yeah. Russell Wilson will Probably kill you. Okay, second best so, player in the league, right? Right. So like, I don't care. Patrick Mahomes, freaking, his brand is very important to him, right? He's going to basically mop up endorsements here for the next 10 years. Good for him. I'm happy for him. I hope he I hope he gets every dollar he can. Uh, so you can be a great player and, and still be concerned about the off the field and concerned about how you're seen, all of that, all, all of those things. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but it is it is interesting when a guy seemingly doesn't really give a shit, <laughs> like he doesn't care. You right. know, it's just not important many, to him. I don't. How many commercials have you seen Philip Rivers in? I don't know. I, was I don't think thinking. I've ever seen him in a commercial. And I, it can't be that no one asked. He was in California. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's he's probably not a Hall of Famer, but he's borderline. I mean, he's, he's like in the conversation. Right. You probably put Roethlisberger in there because he's got two Super Bowls, and I don't think Eli is. That's a whole other conversation for another day. But my point is, yeah, but the credentials New York are there, <laughs> right? Right. But anyway, go ahead. Right. No, I. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him in a commercial. Maybe I, I'm I don't something. know that I have. I don't know that I have. When, when you got you nine mean. kids at home, you probably have enough have enough to do at home, right? Well, when would he find the time? So, I don't know how he anyhow, finds the time to play football, but he does. I, I agree. But I do think it is interesting, and I, I do think it will serve him well. That makeup and that personality will serve him well, especially in this locker room, because I think he fits the persona of the locker room. He fits with the persona of the head coach, uh, really the persona of the organization, right? I mean, the, the Colts are never really a flashy sort of team. I know they had Peyton Manning play for them for a very long time, You know, maybe the greatest quarterback ever. I get that. But um, at the same time, you know, there was a workmanlike uh, approach from even Peyton, you know, and, and I think right. as great as he right. was, right? You so never I, worried about him being prepared for a game. You never had right. to worry about that. So Fans love that. Fans could grab onto that. Yeah, I, I do think that it it kind of it kind of meshes um, with the, the, the personality of everything he's he's walking into here. And he's even talked about, you know, just sort of the Midwest uh, kind of appealing to him and just, you know, it, it's, it reminds him of home a little bit in Alabama, you know. And so... I think this will work. I really do think, at least certainly off the field and in the locker room, this is a great fit. And he's just got to do it on the field. And that will come. We'll, we will reserve judgment and we'll see how that plays out. But I'm optimistic. I, I am. Um, before we get out of here, let's touch real quickly on the maniac who is making yeah. those words uh, more true than ever. Darius Leonard's crazy, man. Crazy. <laughs> the floor it's is why yours. he is what he is. <laughs> He, it's unbelievable. So to recap, he 
he made a, a round of appearances, I guess, earlier this week, or maybe one appearance on NFL Network in particular, and he he was talking about these um, these cleats, I guess, that um, these specialized cleats that uh, he he now has that um, basically highlight uh, they're they're airbrushed, sort of art artistically airbrushed on there. What was it, Zach? His his ranking in the top one hundred, I think. All right, I got and, it right here. Okay. 2018 okay. worst draft pick. That was like a Bleacher Report article, which yeah, I saved on his report. phone. Yep. 2019 no Pro Bowl, Madden ranking of 85, and fourth best linebacker. I asked him which one ticked him off the most, and he said <laughs> fourth best linebacker. <laughs> it never changed, Darius. It never changed. I guess he said his his agent and his wife cooked this up. And right. But but I think what that says to me is. Okay, at first I was like, wait, wait, you did this? Because that is really insane. But I, right. I think it also is interesting that they did it because they knew they knew exactly who they were dealing with. <laughs> his, his wife and agent were like, oh, you know what will really like, hit the spot here? <laughs> if we made him some cleats that really pissed him off. <laughs> you know what I'll give him credit for? You know this as well as anybody. So many guys and coaches will be like, I don't read anything. I don't read that stuff. I don't pay uh-huh. attention on social media. They are lying. They are lying. Oh, First thing they do after a game, they go to the check their phone, they check Twitter, they search their name. I, I swear, I've seen it a hundred times. Now, <laughs> Darius does not hide from this at all. Darius has come at me on Twitter. I'm sure he's come at you on Twitter. I have. I've gotten He loves it. He, he admits it. And he says, he, this is a direct quote from him. I will never shy away from it. I will never trap stop, stop trying to find it. I need that. This guy just owns it. He says, look, if you talk crap about me, I'm going to go find it and I'm going to use it. And and I wrote about this on Monday and an interesting comment was made. And I don't want to get your take on this. Is You know who this reminded somebody of? Michael Jordan. If you just yeah. watched The Last Dance, yep. there was no insult, even the ones he created in his mind, yep. that he couldn't disprove. right? And if he couldn't find one, he'd just invent one. So some of the fans are saying, I'm going to start ripping them on Twitter on Sunday mornings before games and see if it works. So I said, go for it. Look, Darius Leonard, you know, he listed all, you know, he was playing baseball in the high school and the coach said, you're, you're not that good. Your dad was a lot better. And that got him going. And then he was better at running back. And they said, you're not going to be as good as your older brother on defense. And, and look at him now. So this is his fuel. This is his fire. This is why he is the way he is, and I'll give him credit for owning it because it's a lot of fun to watch this guy play. That's for sure. Uh, sidebar, real quick: Can you imagine a home plate collision with Darius Leonard? Uh, not a good idea. Um, I don't think I'd be able to get up after that. No, good luck to the catcher. Um, you mentioned how he he goes and reads everything, and I've always felt. I think I've told you this before. I, I've covered a lot of great players. I've been fortunate to be around a lot of great players and great coaches and what have you, and. They generally all say that, right? Like, we don't read anything. Yeah. They're all lying, as you said. But it's interesting. I, I find that oftentimes the the athletes who are at the top of their game, who are the greatest ones, are the ones who care the most about what people think. I'll give you a, a great example. No less than Shaquille O'Neal. I'm covering the Miami Heat way back in the day before a lot of our listeners were even paying attention to sports because I'm old. And uh, he gets traded to Miami. Walks in first day, he has his press conference. It's it's a freaking cartoon. He gets out of that semi-truck with the super soaker water gun and sprays the crowd. It's a pep rally. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Remember he that? He was so in anyway. heaven. He was yeah. in heaven. He got out of Kobe's hair. He was in heaven. <laughs> Greatest press conference of my life. It was unbelievable. So anyway, 
after all the the pomp of circumstance, we go in this small room, conference room, and he sits down with you know the daily beat writers, and he says, you know, basically it's a it's sort of a rap session. We're just trying to get to know each other, and he, the first thing he opened up with, before everything else, he says to us, he says, first of all, I want you all to know one thing about me: I read everything. <laughs> and we were like, Re- really? Oh, come on. Someone is self-absorbed with Shaquille O'Neal. That right. shouldn't be a surprise. Shouldn't be a surprise, right? And and I gotta believe Kobe was the same way, right? So so anyway, I, I really think that I, I don't think it's that unusual, but I, I think the unusual part is exactly what you just said is the fact that he admits it. Um hey man, whatever gets you going. I don't care how this you do gets it. Gets him going. You can tell. Yeah. If, I don't care if, how you if, do it. it. And you'll see it on Twitter once in a while. There'll be a negative tweet about Darius and he'll favorite it. He'll save it. <laughs> That's what he does. He loves it. Um, it's all over his cleats this year. And the guy's not backing down. I mean, every year you ask him, what are your goals? I remember last year he said he wanted to be a Super Bowl champ and he wanted to be league MVP. Ask him this year, he'll tell you the same thing. Um, he's on the verge of becoming one of the best linebackers in football. I think he's already there, but one of the very, very best. I don't think he's in Bobby Wagner's class yet. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the numbers, his numbers are absurd. I did a chart for our story and – more tackles over the last two years than Luke Keekley in less starts. Remember, Darius missed four games last year with. Yeah. He missed three games last year with a concussion. Missed one his rookie year. That's less games, more tackles than Luke Keekley, and Keekley is a tackle machine. Um, you know, more tackles for loss than anybody besides Demario Davis of the Saints. Um, he's got twelve sacks from a Will linebacker spot. That's more than anybody on this list. Seven interceptions. Same thing. More than anybody on this list. I mean, this guy is stuffing the stat sheet. And he's just two years in. So whatever he's doing, whatever knocks he needs to go find on Twitter, it's working. And and I think he's going to take another step up this year because of one guy's arrival, and that's DeForest Buckner. No, no question. And uh, selfish plug, um, I'll have a film review of DeForest Buckner for you uh, next week, probably Monday. Um, I, I went back and watched the Super Bowl performance that he put on, and I, I didn't recall how tremendous a performance it was so anyway look for that but um i i I always sort of relate the players i cover now to guys i've seen in the past and and i've mentioned it here before i covered Derek brooks for for a few years and this guy he he reminds he is Derek brooks in my mind like that's who he is like he is that guy and they do have a little bit of relationship because darius trains in tampa and and obviously Derek starred for the Bucks for a long time and still lives there. So anyway, uh, before we get out of here, I want to just touch real quickly on T.Y. Hilton. He's on the non-football injury list. That raised a few eyebrows last weekend. Uh, he strained a hamstring, we're told, while training down in South Florida, as he always does, um, probably running on the beach or whatever it is, you know, whatever insane workout T.Y. was doing. That raised a lot of, not questions, but I guess the reaction to that for a lot of people was, oh, this guy's always hurt. Yeah, which is, of course, is I saw a lot of that on Twitter. Totally true, but um, anyway, let's let me ask you this: Are you concerned at all? Sh- and and do you think this is just sort of run of the mill ty stuff? Both, if I can answer that. Um, ty is not a guy who's hurt a lot, but he's been hurt a lot recently, and that doesn't mean he's missed games. But we all know ty is the first to say this team is completely different without him on the field. We've seen that that the offense is is very one-dimensional without him he knows his value he says he's, he's going to be ready um you know we're told it's nothing serious he'll be back soon i believe that but i'm also very skeptical i was told last year there's a calf strain it's nothing serious last year and we all know what happened with that 
Um, I don't think this is going to happen in the same situation, but, um, you know, we'll see. When he comes back, then you'll know it was nothing serious. But um, hamstrings linger, man. They do. They linger for multiple players, multiple positions, especially those those wide receivers and those cornerbacks. And they, they go longer than these guys want. So, you know, T.Y. is not a guy you need to have out there every single day in training camp. You know what he's going to bring on the field. It's more important that he's 100% come September 13th. But not a great start for him. Um, it, it's not ideal. You'd like to see him on the field getting – to develop some rapport with Philip Rivers, but again, my concern level is not that high. Yeah, so I I was told I'm just passing on what I was told, so we'll see. But I was told that if this were the regular season, they'd be treating this a lot differently, and he'd probably be out there. So they said the same thing last right. summer about you know who. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so <laughs> the the difference here, I guess, is. Uh, Ty is wired a little different than that other guy. Yeah, I think not, yep. which is not a which is not a slight to Andrew Luck, right? That I just yeah. they're different people, right? They they're different guys. Um, Ty being a hundred percent doesn't really mean much to Ty apparently. Uh, no. That's for that's and for he's sure. Played, and then, he's played at sixty percent. Yeah, and then the other thing I would say is that that kind of uh, is justifies concern just generally about. Uh, Hilton in any injury is the one thing he's been renowned for is playing through his injuries. But um, it isn't so much that you get hurt more when you get older; it's that you don't recover the same way when you get older. I at least that's, that's been point. my experience dealing with. I think too. Guys. I would I would agree with that. Right. Right. And so that I think if you want to be concerned about something, be concerned about that. Not that oh my god, he's always hurt because yeah, I mean he's managed his injuries just fine. Like I don't I don't have any criticism for a guy who's missed. Well, until last year, he missed four games. But, yeah. I, again, that's the question. Can he continue to manage the injuries the same way as he gets older? He's going to be 31 by the end of this year. And that's, you know, that's a that's rare error for wide receivers. Okay, so uh, it's, it's gone quickly. Just a few years ago, it feels like this guy was in his second year. Yeah, <laughs> And here we are talking year. about, yeah, right. here, here we are talking about, you know, T.Y., 30 years old, going on 31. It, it's amazing. It, the NFL... It happened. Life happened. Excuse me. Life comes at you fast. Excuse me. So, in the NFL. So, uh, so that's about it for today. It's, it's going to get a little more interesting in the coming days and weeks. We will uh, get some opportunity to watch practice. Probably, mm, probably not before the next podcast. But, but we'll see. We'll, we'll get some we're getting details closer. on that here. Yeah, soon. So, well, we're getting there, and I am looking forward to it. So. Thanks for listening. I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. The Athletic app is is the place to be right now, by the way. Uh, getting interesting there with sports coming back. So it's the only way you're going to keep up with everything that's happening <laughs> from, from football to basketball, golf, baseball, you name it, soccer. Um, I think you've got a lot of reading to catch up on if you're not a subscriber. So stay tuned. Uh, for 40% more to come from, off right now. Yeah. Let's it's the it. time to do it right now. With with the Colts heating up and with everything coming back, the M- NBA in full swing, it is the time to do it right now. It's going to be a sports season like we've never seen. If, uh, if all goes according to plan, you've never had a season like you're about to experience. So looking forward to that and looking forward to you joining us. So, again, Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. This is 1% Better. Thank you so much for listening.